following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. Well, we're going to turn to God's Word now. So if you pick up a Bible, which should be near to you, and we are starting a new series uh, for a new service. We've got a new series, and uh, we're looking at just one chapter in the book of Exodus. So turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. You'll find it on page 77. Exodus, chapter 20, page 77. And um, Kelly is going to come and read from Exodus, chapter 20, verse 1, page 77. Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing a love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Brilliant. Kelly, thank you very, very much indeed. Now I've got a handout here, so um, let me send these rounds. If you just pass them. Pass them around, that would be absolutely fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Well, just before we come to this passage, um, just a couple of things about uh, this new evening service. And um, it is really exciting to be able to, to gather together in this way. And my prayer for this gathering is particularly threefold. Uh, one is that we might grow deeper in our love of the Lord. Uh, As we gather together week by week at this time, as we come to his word, that we would grow deeper 
in our love for the Lord. Another of my prayers for this service is that we might grow wider as a gathering. In other words, we might welcome in new people who don't yet know the Lord, uh, people who are doing all sorts of other things right now um, in our neighbourhood, but who we long to come to know the Lord Jesus as, uh, for, for themselves. And so I pray that we will grow uh, numerically as a gathering because we long for every life to follow Jesus. And then thirdly, I pray that we will grow together, uh, that we will have rich relationships with one another, that we will feel as we come to this service that we're known by others and that we know others. And uh, that has been one of the marks of St. Michael's over the last nine years. And um, uh, my prayer is very much that will continue to be the case uh, and expect that to be the case with this new gathering. So there are three things uh, that we grow deeper, grow wider, uh, grow together. And it's a real joy to be able to uh, seek to grow deeper now as we look at God's word. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is to do a series called Ten Words. And the ten words are the ten commandments. The ten commandments. And um, keep Exodus chapter 20 open if you've closed it. Um, Open it up again, page 77. And we're just going to look at the first commandment uh, today and the first couple of verses there. Let me pray as as we do so, asking that the Spirit might help us. Father, um, we thank you that you speak. Uh, Lord, we see, as we've just read here, that you are powerful, that you are almighty. And Lord, please might we know that. But also, you're a God who wants to be known, and you want your ways to be known, so that we might live rightly with you. So Lord, as we think about you in all your glory and majesty, and also as we know you as our Heavenly Father, as we can approach you through your Son and all he's done for us. Please encourage us now, spur us on to live for you, lives that honour you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Now, it has to be said, the Ten Commandments sometimes get a bit of a bad press. Uh, Often they're just forgotten. We won't do any tests here, but do you know the Ten Commandments? Could you list them? Maybe, maybe not, maybe miss one or two. Um, But even uh, if we can't quite remember them, we forget them. Uh, Perhaps what happens a little bit more in churches is that we're a little bit nervous about them. We're a little bit worried about legalism. Uh, We're very nervous about grace being diminished, and that's quite rightly the case. Um, right at the heart of the Christian faith is a God of grace. Uh, we come to him not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done to us. But it can be a problem when we don't realize what a gift, what a beautiful thing these Ten Commandments are. Uh, in Psalm 1, a familiar psalm, I'm sure, to many of us, we read this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. 
whose delight is in the law of the Lord. The Ten Commandments summarizes God's law. And the psalmist delights in these commandments. So I hope that in this series, over the next few weeks, we will grow to delight in God's law, in his commandments, to understand how they relate to us. We'll come back to the challenge of legalism in just a few moments. But uh, first, it's worth just thinking, um, if we were to summarize the Ten Commandments in one word, what would it be? What would it be? Have a think. If you had to summarize the Ten Commandments in one word, what would that be? I want to suggest that word is love. Love. Don't take my word for it. Uh, Take Jesus' word for it. Uh, I've put there in very, very, very small uh, print, and I have no hope of reading. Um, uh, From Matthew 22, a time when some people came up to Jesus, and they said to him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's law, and love is a summary of the Ten Commandments. And actually, each of the commandments look at a different angle of what it means to love God and to love our neighbor from a different perspective. And really, they're, they're at, at its heart, this is what it means to be, uh, this is the ethic of the Christian life, what it means to live the Christian life, what it means to live with Jesus as our Lord. It means to live a life of love. What does this look like? How do we sort of put flesh on this bones? Well, the Ten Commandments do that wonderfully, helpfully for us. Now, they still make up the ethic of the life of God's people today. All are restated in the New Testament except uh, the fourth, Sabbath rest. We'll come on to that in a few weeks' time. But that still has great relevance for us as Christians, as we'll see. And we're called to obey. We're called to obey God, uh, to follow him. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. To love God means to obey God. To obey means to love God. And these commands explain what it means to love. Uh, commands, commandments 1 to 4 really have the focus on love of God. Commandments 5 to 10, loving neighbor. But I don't know, you might be all hearing this and thinking, well, I thought, I thought that Christianity is all about relationships, not rules. Have you ever come across that phrase? Christianity is all about relationships, not rules. It's a relationship, not a rule. Yes, absolutely, it's a relationship. At its heart, of course, it's a relationship that we're able to have with the Almighty God through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, adopted into a family. It is about a relationship. But it's not not about a rule. Uh, It's worth just stepping back and thinking, rules are not necessarily a bad thing in life. In fact, they can be really rather good. Anyone been in a classroom with a teacher who has no control? Anyone been a teacher in a classroom with no control? Put my hand up to that one. (laughs) Uh, It can be enormous fun for the first 
three minutes. And then actually it gets pretty miserable. And over the course of a term or a year, it really is not much fun at all. Uh, where there's no rules, where people can do whatever they want. Uh, no one flourishes in that sort of situation. Uh, what about a country where th the rule of law is broken down? Anyone been in a country where the rule of law is broken down? I mean, that is terrifying. That is a really difficult place to be. Uh, thinking about the Rugby World Cup. Anyone watching the Rugby World Cup at the moment? Uh, there might be a few. Not literally at the moment, I hope. Uh, <laughs> see it, phones out or whatever. But um, can you imagine a game of rugby with no rules? Do whatever you want. I mean, that would be awful, actually, in the end. Sounds quite fun to start with, perhaps. Doesn't even sound that, actually. But it would be no fun at all. It would be very dangerous. Uh, yes, bad rules can be really frustrating. But good rules, loving rules, they're wonderfully liberating. They enable us to be the people God has called us to be. One of my fa favorite illustrations of this is uh, the goldfish bowl. Uh, David's going to pop up this picture here, which is just a brilliant demonstration of, uh, uh, illustration of the human condition. It was a great escape, but Steve really hadn't thought it through. Uh, wanting to be liberated from the confines of the goldfish bowl and the water, wanted to break free of all those, that sort of rule of life on him. And as he does say, well, what happens to that goldfish? It's going to die. It's not actually good to be out of its right environment. And that is what we are like as human beings when we break free from God's ways. Uh, we think it's marvelous, that it's brilliant, that it's very cool. I mean, that looks quite cool, doesn't it? But of course it's a disaster, and it's not for our good. So God's laws are, are good. They're for our good. But the key thing is to understand what place they have in our life. And Exodus chapter 20 is brilliant at showing this. So just these first two verses. Uh, let me take us to verse 1. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Crucially, as you see on the handout, we've got to get this the right way around. First comes the rescue, then the Ten Commandments. First the rescue, then the rule, as it were. First the rescue. Uh, 1 John 4, verse 19 says this, We love because God first loved us. It's very easy to think that in order to get into God's good books, in order for him to accept us, we need to be good enough for him. And it's very easy to see these Ten Commandments and to sort of see them as a bit like a step in the ladder, each one a step in the ladder to work our way to God and to be in right relationship with him. But that is to put the cart before the horse. Uh, in this amazing story that we have throughout the whole book of Exodus, if you don't know it, read through the first 
uh, half of the book of Exodus because that is the dramatic story of God rescuing his people from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. And he rescues them, takes them out from slavery and oppression. Do you remember the story? He takes them uh, through the Dead Sea and they go through the wilderness and then they come to Sinai. And they've been rescued. And they've been rescued for a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with them. First comes the rescue. And then he says, let me tell you how this relationship will work. You are now my people. I've rescued. I've taken you out of Egypt. Let me now tell you how this relationship will work. And that is actually true for any relationship that we're part of. Uh, If we're married, uh, with friends, with housemates, uh, with colleagues at work, uh, we become colleagues, we become married, we become friends, and then we work out how we can bless one another, how it works well, what the rules of the house might be. And that is a great blessing. Good rules, they enable good relationships. But first, what we're seeing here is that God calls us into that relationship. And through Jesus, we are given that relationship. Uh, It's just worth thinking about the difference between legalism and lawfulness. The difference between legalism and lawfulness. Legalism doesn't actually love God's word and God's law, but uses the law for its own selfish gain. That's what legalism does. It doesn't love God's ways, but it uses the law for one's own selfish gain. Uh, Using the law in order to gain favor or to get into God's good books. Think the story of the prodigal son. And do you remember the elder brother? We thought about it at church a few weeks ago. What was the elder brother? What, the elder brother was incredibly good, incredibly well behaved. But the story makes it abundantly clear. The elder brother's not really interested in a relationship with his father. The elder brother is interested in the father's stuff. And that's why he's obeying all these rules. Not because he loves the rules, not because he loves the father. That's legalism. Uh, it's worth saying breaking the law is not good either. That's the younger brother. I like the younger son there. And that's no good. That, that destroys relationships as well. But lawfulness is following in God's way, delighting in his law, delighting to live as Christ lived. And that is wonderful. That's liberating. That humanizes us. That makes us more and more the people we were made to be. And it blesses our relationship with the Lord. So crucial, first the rescue, and then we begin to see what the rule is that God gives for the relationship. And today we're looking in this final part at rule number one, rule number one, verse three, you shall have no other gods before me, you'll have no other gods before me me. Rule number one. At verse three, it should be on the handout. Rule number one, put God first. Put God first. 
Nothing else should compete with God for our ultimate loyalty. Again, it's interesting thinking about the story of the people of Israel. They've been rescued from slavery to Pharaoh. They've been rescued from slavery to Pharaoh's gods, the gods of Egypt, the ten plagues, a spectacular demonstration of the power that God has over all things. He is the creator God. He is God of all, Lord of all. And so the Israelites were to give to him their all. There are no rival gods to God. He defeats them all as he showed by defeating the gods of Egypt. And that is as true now for us as it was for the Israelites back then. There is one God. He is Lord of all. He's shown that. He's demonstrated that. He's the creator. He made everything out of nothing. There is no rival. Now, I guess at the time of the Ten Commandments, uh, God is wanting to be really clear to Israel as they go into the Promised Land not to start worshipping other gods, uh, whether it's gods in the past uh, with Egypt or gods in the land they're going to in Canaan. For us, we might not be tempted to worship Baal or Chemosh ahead of God. Those were some of the gods around at that time. But we might well be tempted to put other things first, to put other things number one in our life. Perhaps a relationship, perhaps our children, perhaps our job, perhaps our pleasure. Uh, It's so tempting to do so. All good things in their own place but not in that top space at number one. How can we tell what is first in our lives? Well, what do we spend most of our time thinking about? What is it that I most enjoy reading about? What do I love talking about? What do I get excited about? J. John, uh, some of you will have come across, he did a terrific series on the Ten Commandments called Just Ten, And uh, he uses the analogy of our lives as being a bit like a car. Imagine we're like a car. And he asks this question, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in the car of your life? If you're a Christian, he should be in the car. Um, If he's not in the car, then invite him in. Invite him in to be a part of your life. What it means to be a Christian is for Jesus to be with us in the car. But here's the question, but where is he in the car? Is he in the boot? And we drive the car to church and we unlock the boot and we get Jesus out and then uh, we do the church bit and then we head off home, put Jesus back in the boot and he comes out the next week. That's just the sort of Sunday religious side of life. Maybe he's in the back seat a bit of a passenger in our lives. Maybe he's in the front seat, more like a companion. Or is he driving? Is he driving the car? This commandment saying he should be driving the car. But J. John says this, be careful. Even if you say, we say, no, he is driving the car. Here's the question J. John puts, are we a backseat driver? Are we a backseat driver? I guess we probably all feel that in many ways. We can tell that. So when Jesus takes a right turn at the roundabout and we ask, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going down the road of generosity here. 
and we say, oh, I'm not sure that's the right way. I don't like that. Or the crossroads turns left down the road of forgiveness. I mean, I don't want that. Putting God, putting Jesus in the driving seat of our lives is what this command says we're to do. You shall have no other gods before me. Putting him number one, putting him first. And we can think about all sorts of different areas in our lives, with our time, our finance, our relationships, our interests, our decisions. Where, how, how, do we, how do we make decisions? We've got decisions to make all the time. The best way to make decisions is to make God number one in our lives, put him first in our lives. And actually, that is where wisdom's found. The book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we make Jesus Lord of our lives, then from that flows wisdom. We'll just make better decisions with our lives. As we think about our time and our diaries, put God first and build life around that. You might have come across the illustration of the jar, where you've got lots of different stones, some big and some small. And if you're going to try and get all the stones into the jar, the best thing to do is put the biggest stone in first, and then you can put the other stones around the outside. And that is what this command tells us to do. Put God first. Put him in, put him in first place in our diary. Whatever that might look like, like, lots of different things. Not least, you know, church on a Sunday. Put that in first and live our lives around that. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me, God says. Put him first, because he is Lord of all. And actually, if we obey this command, we do actually obey all the others as well. If we get this one right, we get all the other ones right as well. We won't worship idols. We won't misuse his name. We will rest properly. We will honor those uh, who are elders amongst us. We will honour life, we will honour marriage, we will honour property, we will not lie, and our hearts will be changed if we put God first in our lives. Augustine said this, Christ is not valued at all unless he be valued above all. Christ is not valued at all unless he be valued above all. Of course, we do this imperfectly. And it is wonderful to know that Jesus is the righteous one who did love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And his righteousness is given to us. That's the rescue bit. But once rescued, once part of God's people, we're called to live for him. And the best way of living, the most life-giving, the most freeing, the most human way to live is to put God first in our lives. Let's just take a moment of quiet just to reflect upon that. Maybe the band will come back up and uh, we're going to sing together now. But just take a moment of quiet first. Let's stand together. And Father, might you show us where we have not put you first in our lives, where you're in another seat in the car. Please help us to put you front and centre 
and to know that all good things flow from that. Forgive us where we've got this wrong. Help us to live well with you as our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.